Hi, everybody, and thanks for joining our weekly podcast. I'm Robin Lewis, founder and CEO of The Robin Report, which, by the way, is really much more than a daily report. It, it really is a knowledge platform uh, from which we communicate thought leadership on various strategic topics. Yes, through our reports, um, but also these podcasts, uh, webinars, and maybe in the future, live events when everything gets cleaned out with this virus. Uh, so along with our chief strategist, uh, Shelley Cohan, who, by the way, is also a professor at FIT and Syracuse University, we welcome you to our conversation on the topic of brand reputation, more important than ever. And I am thrilled to have a guest today that I've known for a long time, and quite honestly, um, uh, visiting our podcast last year with rave reviews. So please welcome Kim Kitchings, Senior Vice President of Consumer Marketing for Cotton Incorporated. Um, some of the key points that we're going to cover today include the change in consumer attitudes throughout the pandemic, uh, how companies can protect brand reputation and why greenwashing just does not work. So, Kim, um, can you first tell us about Cotton, Inc., and what the company does, and then we'll jump right into our topics. Sure, absolutely, Robin, and thank you for having me today. Shelly, you also. Um, Cotton Incorporated, we like to say, does everything from dirt to shirt. Uh, we provide cutting-edge scientific research, innovative product development, comprehensive textile industry expertise, robust consumer data insights that we'll share with you today. And then we utilize all this into our consumer marketing efforts for cotton. Uh, your listeners may also recognize us, Robin, as the company behind the iconic seal of cotton or the slogan, the fabric of our lives campaign. Well, I have to be honest, Kim, I was super excited about the topics today. But I think you should kind of explain really the role of Con Inc., which is very interesting. And I also think it's a great contributor to the industry at large. You don't manufacture or sell any products per se, but you're kind of more of an advisor um, and an advocate of the cotton industry from producer to consumer. Absolutely. We've been known as a trusted resource for every link in the cotton supply chain for years. Uh, we're more than 50 years old now. Our agricultural and product development research area has more than 450 projects per year and developments. And this certainly helps us and contributes to our expertise and our ability to provide guidance and transparency. Our role is to also provide and promote cotton to the trade and consumers while highlighting its many uses and benefits. Uh, something many people don't realize, though, Shelly, is that as a commodity program, and, and we are also a not-for-profit commodity program, that we report into the USDA. And what that means is that all of our messaging, advertising, programs, research has, have to be approved by the Agricultural Marketing Services, the AMS. So you'll never have anything come out of Cotton Incorporated that hasn't been approved or a claim that is not scientifically proven. And generally that's done by a third party. So when people see our research, when they see our promotional materials, they can trust the messaging. They can trust what we put forth about cotton and even other fibers. Yeah, this is very helpful, Kim. Thank you. Uh, and, and you know what? Even though um, Cotton Incorporated 
likely has great brand recognition, it's good to let our audience uh, and the industry in general to know just how broad the scope of the work you do. I'm totally blown away. It's the fact that you do 400 research projects a year. Is that right? You said 400 was more than 400. It was over 400, Rob. Yes. 450 <laughs> in agriculture and product developments with mills and manufacturers. Got it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's incredible. Anyway, um, so now let's you know, kind of dive into what you can share about consumers' attitudes uh, since the pandemic. Sure. Well, uh, my role, and I've, I've been here a long time, Robin, uh, but I came up through analytics and now in the role I currently have, and we provide economic and market research to the textile industry globally. And this would include data about inputs, what happens with pricing of not just cotton, but other fibers, and as well as consumer habits on a range of topics. It could be sustainability, performance technologies, looking at changes in consumer behavior. But over the past two years, one of the hottest topics and information requests we have received has been research that we've been conducting since COVID occurred. In March of 2020, when everything locked down, uh, we started doing research and trying to understanding consumers' mindsets and where they were. And and this was global work. Um, We focused primarily in the U.S., Mexico, and China. And we have now done 11 waves. We thought, Robin, maybe we would have one, two, three waves of this research, but 11 waves and spoken wow. to more, almost 18,000 consumers to date. Wow. I, I think when you, when you were on last time, you were like on wave two or three. Right. right. And we thought it was over, right? But, but we know it wasn't. And the resurgence and so many things happened. And And during the pandemic, it's just caused widespread uncertainty and even fear in consumers globally. And and some of it's about the big things, about food safety and and our health and our safety there. But even also some things we've probably never considered we'd have to be concerned about. And where where do you find toilet paper? Right. Things like that because of the supply chain. Um, Things we never thought we'd be talking about, Robin, but we certainly have been. Um, But what we also know is over this 11 waves of research is that consumers have continued to be concerned about the pandemic and it actually hit its peak just this past December with that last resurgence. 75% of consumers told us that were they were very concerned about the impacts of the pandemic and to date we're seeing consumers in our latest round of research was just March of this year 2022 we had 74% of consumers say that they don't think things will ever be the same again uh, because of the past two years. Yeah I agree with that. <laughs> so, so, I mean, yeah. it, it's been a stressful time for everyone. Uh, people adapted in different ways and looked for ways to find comfort. Uh, some of us look to comfort food, my favorite, without a doubt. Um, but also we did see that certainly as people were, were at home and working from their offices, and again, this isn't just the U.S., this is in China and Mexico and other places too, um, that they were looking for different clothing casual clothing, clothing that was very comfortable, and they could do that. Um, we, and we asked these consumers, well, what are you wearing when you're at home? And, and many of them told us they were wearing clothing such as t-shirts, sweatpants, and sweatshirts, because remember, you couldn't see the bottom down, right? And, and denim jeans was the dress-up opportunity to wear. Um, and these consumers, when they looked at what they were wearing, it wasn't just the comfort, but the casualness, but, but what do I have available that I can wear in a wardrobe? So, so as they've started to return 
return to work. And, you know, we're seeing it differently in New York where you're at, North Carolina, and, and the percentage that are coming back. But they're trying to figure out how do we bring this comfort and casualness with us, which fortunately for us is cotton-rich items, but with an elevated style. And, and how will that be suitable for more dressier uh, opportunities, too, that, you know, in our social lives that we're used to as well? You know, Kim, um, you know, I, I was aware of the more casual dressing, um, but it makes sense that consumers are looking for the natural feel and comfort of cotton. Uh, even denim jeans had a, resur a resurgence throughout the pandemic and a new report from research and markets projects that the global denim jeans market will spike to $76.1 billion by 2026, up from $57.3 billion in uh, 2020. You know, Cotton Incorporated does so much uh, to help retailers and brands in the denim in industry. Uh, so, you know, please tell us about some of the ways you help these guys and our listeners uh, to remain competitive. Yeah, absolutely. You know, denim is so iconic and certainly it's a fashion leader for cotton. And what we saw during the pandemic, it went from the skinny jeans to, to what they call the mom jeans, the back year, the more comfortable ones, and, and the styles always changing. Um, but what we know, too, is that beyond sharing market information like we're doing today with you, uh, we also have our research and development areas that is technical denim research that, that looks to be shared with mills and manufacturers and brands and retailers around the world. And, and what this includes, Robin, are things like yarn develop, developments, new fabric constructions, and new finishing processes that are more eco-friendly. And this is done here in our headquarters in North Carolina, where I'm out of. Um, the sure. R&D team, they launch uh, two different collections every year of inspirational fabrics. So these are fabrics, uh, mainly, of course, 100% uh, cotton, cotton rich, uh, but also can be blends. But they have new and different garment processing uh, solutions. And denim is a key component of what we do. Um, we're also, like everyone else is in the industry, looking for eco-friendly processes that um, can be introduced that offer solutions to reduce use of water, energy, and chemicals, uh, which really help us all in su supply chain be more sustainable. And, and people that are in the denim market, they're very familiar with working with bleaches and stone washing. But now in yeah. lieu of that, we're looking at new fashion effects to, to be able to apply it with laser technologies. So going beyond just traditional fading and wearing, but what else we can do uh, to add newness to the denim area. Uh, and, and our research and designers, they don't just stay here in this building in North Carolina. They travel and they're looking for these emerging technologies and really scouting the globe for what will help us move forward. And not only do they look for these, but they verify these and ensure that they work, that they're more sustainable solutions. And then, Robin, we partner with many people in the industry, brands and retailers, and we take these out when we can get to them. And they're in the offices and show them in person. Or we also show them on our LinkedIn, Facebook pages. And, and we have many industry websites, but one, Cotton Works, and a lot of the brands and retailers go to uh, to get information like this. That's unbelievable. I just it's, a, it's such great information. And it sounds like Cotton Inc. is really ahead of what's happening in the market. And also working hard to develop future fabrics through emerging, tech, emerging technologies is just fantastic. Um, but let's shift gears here for a second. Um, and let's talk a little bit about how online shopping and transparency has really impacted consumer behavior post-pandemic. 
So from the March research by Cotton Inc., it showed that there's a, a notable change in consumers' desire for familiarity and also with shopping for clothes online, being comfortable shopping for clothes online that they're familiar with. So what was found in the research was that 58% of consumers shopped online for clothing, or at least some part of clothing. This was pre-pandemic. Then during the pandemic, that 58% shot up to 80%, 80% Incredible. of consumers are yeah. shopping online for clothing, you know, mostly because they're either afraid of going into stores or, you know, safety concerns. Um, and what I understand from the research that I read is that going forward, post-pandemic, 73% of consumers plan to continue to shop online for at least some of their clothing. So do we think this kind of attitude shift will impact consumer behavior going forward? What are you seeing? Sure. And, you know, it's interesting. You cited some some numbers that are really wide, right, in consumers. And you don't usually see movement like that. I've spent a career looking at these types of numbers, and that's significant. And, of course, in some cases, Shelley, they didn't really have a choice. Uh, the stores were closed. If they wanted something, it had to be sent to them. But it did offer a lot of different conveniences. And, and what I, I also know is that over the years, consumers tell us a lot of things. But what I need to know is this action uh, or attitudes lead to action. And so really only time will tell. And what we like to do is to observe them in the wild or in their natural habitat and when things are more moderate or normal and what they will do. But I don't think there's any doubt uh, that the pandemic um, really accelerated the use of online shopping, curbside services, which we're still seeing uh, at our malls and things here where they'll bring them out to your cars and and give you the, the items that you order and other conveniences too that are here to stay. Uh, consumers have are now used to this is what they're going to want. But we also know from our current research that most consumers, one of the things they're looking most forward to and have been is getting back out and shopping yeah. and going into the stores and picking out their clothing. Now, does that mean they're not going to shop more online? Absolutely not. That's a convenience they love as well. But remember, shopping is more than just going to get the item. It can be a social opportunity be, to be with others. So, so we're still hopeful. I don't think that retail's dead as we know it in brick and mortar. Uh, there's still opportunity there, but it's going to be a different mixture than it was before. And we also know that regardless of where consumers are shopping, that in this environment and what we're going through today, that price is so important to them. And it's price, it's durability, it's availability. These are things we never had to think about before pre-pandemic. You would go in and pretty much store shelves were full. That's not always the case still now. And with China just now coming out of lockdowns, we're seeing some lingering supply chain issues there as well. Um, The other thing I think we have to consider too as an industry is that we're not just competing against other brands that are selling apparel, but with inflation and costs and discretionary uh, spending that maybe is not so discretionary anymore, such as on uh, apparel, but looking at the inflation in gas and food, what does that mean for home goods sales or apparel sales in the future uh, could easily be somewhat sluggish because they are having to make trade-offs they didn't make during the the pandemic. Uh, During this time, too, as I think about it, though, you know, we have seen different demands from consumers and expectations and transparency is one of those. And we've seen it in two ways. One is consumers are wanting to know what a garment is made of and also what it can contribute or how it's going to impact the environment. 
Eight in 10 consumers, so about 80% of shoppers, told us that it was important to know the fiber content when they're shopping online. And this is where attitudes are one thing, but then I always go to the next step that I mentioned to you, behavior. Then 75% told us that if I can't find the fiber content, I'm going to go to another online retailer and shop. That's pretty significant if they're willing to do that, because not only does the fiber content tell you about the comfort, what it feels like, it also tells you generally how to take care of it, what you can expect from it, and what that means and add the value added that it has. So that's a pretty significant shift that we did not see before the pandemic. Now, of course, we're, we're considering that that's the style, the fit, and the brand and retailers have everything that they want with that. But those, those attributes absolutely matter to consumers today more than ever, because it's not just to touch the feel. Right. You've got to have more information. Um, and we, as we talk about transparency, the second part of that, without a doubt, is related to sustainability. Seventy two percent of consumers say that it's important that clothing brands share what they're doing to help uh, the environment and what they're doing is specifically in the clothing area. Um, and while consumers want to know that they're not giving our industry, the apparel industry, very good marks. In fact, less than half. of consumers told us that the apparel industry is not doing such a good job on sharing what they're doing in the environment and how their products impact the environment. That's a little bit concerning. Um, I think there's a lot of reasons for this, but one of the ones is that we know that the way we speak in the industry and the consumers speak, that there's a disconnect on what some of the terminology means. Definitely. So, so for example, an easy one is that when we generally ask consumers about sustainability and what that means to them, the number one item they still mention is durability or longevity. So it's not hooked like we think it is, right? The supply chain to other things we're doing to help the environmental footprint, but they're thinking how long it'll last. And, you know, that that's... Yeah, it is interesting. And even after all this time, you know, we've been doing this for a while now. So we think, oh, they know what we mean. But it's good news for cotton because we know, again, from other research that consumers keep cotton garments a year and a half longer than garments made from other fibers. So it's a good durability story for us. But I do think that there's an opportunity there for all of us in the industry to help educate consumers and let them know what our terms mean and make certain that it means what they think it means. Um, And that just gets us to one of my favorite words. Uh, My team here at Cotton hears it all the time, but I ask them about how relevant are you? You know, with what we're taking out to consumers and talking with them about being forthcoming, if it's not relevant, they're not going to care. So knowing what resonates with your consumer, with our consumer and how to communicate with them is, is just so important today. And we know that terms such as natural and recyclable are part of the consumer's everyday jargon now and language. But then when you move to the next phase of, say, biodegradability or looking at things like microplastics, there's been significant shift in awareness, but it's not quite as familiar as the other terms. And for heaven's sakes, if you're trying to talk to them about carbon offsets and greenhouse gas emissions, they may just click off (laughs) of you. And go elsewhere. Uh, true. So, so I think yeah. just really understanding where they're at and where we're at is so important and, and how sustainability marketing translates to a bottom line. And it's not even how sometimes if it does. Um, and if it's more just about letting them know what we're doing and awareness and having confidence that the brand is doing the right things. You know, I like to say all the time that sustainability marketing is really a ticket to the game but sustainability alone is not going to win the game for you. 
Yeah, you know, I, I think that really is the big shift in consumers uh, and their attitudes and value systems. Uh, because before the pandemic, probably long before it, um, as the CEO of Bloomingdale's, Tony Spring told me one day, he said, you know, he said, um, uh, and this was a while ago, he said, you know, the young people will talk the talk, but when they are in the store and they see um, a, a pair of jeans and another pair sitting, you know, like right next to it or something very close to it, and the price difference is like five bucks, it, it, they'll, <laughs> they'll take the, the lower priced pair of jeans. But I really do believe what you're saying. Today, it's sticking. It really is. Yeah. And um, and you it's know. going to be even greater now with inflation right now, Robin. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, I think and we're not seeing right. it in apparel prices yet, but we are seeing it. Like we said, the other goods, we're all seeing it. Um, yeah. And they're going to have to make choices. Yep, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, research in general uh, shows consumers are in increasingly thinking about the environmental impact, um, thank God, <laughs> um, of their clothing. And they are looking for ways uh, you know, to dress more sustainably. Among U.S. consumers, <clears throat> we see a 14 percentage point jump. And those who say sustainability has a moderate or great influence on their clothing purchases from 43% in 2017 to 57% in uh, 2021. Well, so, I you know, so, you know, terms such as sustainable, um, well, by the way, 72%, I think you may mention that, eco-friendly, uh, 68%, and natural, 63%. Uh, these resonate with consumers looking for environmentally friendly clothing. Yeah, I think one of the biggest challenges we have in the industry is really lack of what I would say is standardization. So being able to communicate what does sustainability mean? You know, consumers look for various clothing attributes and they need to know whether the clothing they wish to purchase is sustainable. So attributes such as, you know, uh, is a garment made from natural fibers? Is a garment made of recycled materials? Can it be recycled after use? Clothing made with biodegradable fibers also. So three quarters of U.S. consumers say that fabric is very important in determining the sustainability of clothing. And I might even just add to that, there's a lot of consumers out there that don't even know what natural fibers are. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, and we also know, by the way, the brand trust is high on their list, as 30% uh, say they look for clothing made from trustworthy brands uh, to ensure it's sustainable. So Kim, can you share with us how Cotton Inc. Uh, has helped merge brand trust uh, together with sustainability? Sure. Yeah, some of that's been a very natural process, no pun intended. Uh, as Shelly cited, you know, when you talk about sustainable clothing and consumers go ahead and they associate it with natural, recyclable and biodegradability, uh, there's no surprise that cotton is the go-to fiber. Right. And, and consumers right. tell us this, like 85 percent say that um, that cotton is safe for the environment. And that's really important. And safety now is a very different word to Robin than it was two or three years ago before the yeah. pandemic. 
And so what that means, but by contrast, while 85% believe cotton is the safest fiber, less than half say that rayon, spandex, or polyester is safe for the environment. So they do have a familiarity with, with what cotton can do in a natural fiber. Um, but even though consumers are aware of this, you know, we saw an opportunity years ago to go into this market and help explain to consumers why recycling is important. So 15 years ago, in 2006, we started the Blue Jeans Go Green program. Now, this, of course, was 15 years ago. So it was before sustainability was that cool to market, right? Like everybody's right. been doing over the past several years. And the program was created to collect denim uh, after consumers have worn it, used it, and loved it, and keep it out of landfills. But then it's a circularity story because we recycle it into another end use. So it could be insulation for homes or insulation into the food boxes that were wildly popular over the pandemic and have continued to be popular. But, but pet beds, mattresses, other things like that, too. Um, and Blue Jeans Go Green has really been a leader in the industry, especially the clothing and apparel industry, in recycling. And today, we've had more than 400, 400 brand and retail and other partners in the market participate in this program with us. And many that have retail stores or online stores also have come in and they've offered consumers that would bring their denim in and recycle them a discount on the next pair. So it was really a win-win for everybody in the marketplace. And it's, yeah. it's one of my favorite programs. And, and I think it's a great uh, way to bring back that term relevant too, because that's relevant to consumers. You know, again, we talked earlier about how important price is. This is helping them save money, helping them do good and showing them how. And that's really what we have to do with the industry and be an advocate for sustainability. Yeah, that's great. So going back to um, the way Cotton Incorporated is kind of set up, you know, under the oversight of the USDA uh, and to publish only scientifically, you know, proven research, messaging and studies in a, in a world searching for, you know, transparency, this should be a, a significant assurance to companies looking to establish their credibility. So, and what about the iconic seal of cotton? How has that helped, Kim? Yeah, sure. Well, before I jump there, let me just assure everyone that there's no greenwashing going on at Cotton Incorporated, not with the <laughs> USDA involved and the process we have to go through to get things approved. Uh, across the company, people can share stories with you about that. Um, but, but we are very fortunate in that we are able to continue to leverage an iconic seal that was created in 1973, so over 50 years ago. And it is a quick and easy identifier, regardless of the age of the consumer or who is out there to identify the product contains cotton. And if you think about apparel today, when you go to look for it or look for the tags, it's hard to find the label. One of our key messages is always check the label, but the seal does that when it's there front and center. And it could be on apparel, men's, women's, children's wear, home goods, or even feminine hygiene products that contain cotton in it. And um, we've known for, it's been almost two decades now that more than eight out of 10 consumers are aware of the seal. So when they see it, they know what it means. It's a great, it's right here with me, right? It's a, it's a great logo to have uh, as far as what it represents. But more importantly than that, it also has come to convey sustainability. 
that consumers believe that a brand that uses the seal have sustainable actions and that they're trustworthy and they can trust that brand. And we know that the consumers would love to see more of those out there uh, when they're purchasing products to help give them uh, what they want in that safety to know that it resonates with them. So the good news when we talk about trust, we have permission from consumers to play in the space of sustainability. And you have to have that sometimes. Yeah, you know, um, the, the, the seal has been around for a long time. God, I'm just telling, telling you how, how old I am, I guess. <laughs> but it, it, it's, it's sustainable it, itself. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. so we're kind of winding down here in terms of time. So, but Kim, um, do you want to give us some final closing thoughts? Sure. Yeah. You know, I think as we talk about this, Robin, and I think about it, you know, the real challenge for all of us in the industry is that brands have to remain relevant and we have to be authentic in, in who we are and not try to be someone else. And, and Cotton has to remember that too. We have to be true to who we are. And part of that is knowing uh, that consumer and also knowing why they buy our product. Why do they buy cotton? What do they really want or expect from us or from another brand? Um, and we know for us that cotton, and we talked earlier about denim, that, that we are really very fortunate because we're the only fiber fabric that has an emotional connection with consumers. When you talk about that, they, they see years of advertising and marketing and know, and also without a doubt, it's the comfort that it gives them. I mean, think of your favorite t-shirt, how many things have occurred while you were wearing that t-shirt. But to remain relevant, we've had to continue to evolve in all of our marketing uh, tactics. And just think about media diversification and where we appear today with social handles and other things. And many of the brands, of course, are doing that as well. But, but you've got to have messaging that's relevant regardless of the tactics that you're using and be in the space that the consumer is today. Um, during the pandemic, and now when we start to talk about sustainability and how it's undefined and uncertain areas, you know, cotton has been very fortunate that it has been the preferred fiber of choice. Um, but as, as a company and as we look forward and what we're going to do, we will continue doing research that honestly, the consumer may never know that we do on behalf of the industry, but the supply chain will. And, and I'm talking about things such as looking at areas for advanced irrigation to help optimize water use because we know what wow. a challenge water use is. Uh, looking at also improvements in agricultural practices around the world that don't just benefit us here in the U.S., but globally. Um, how do we define circularity? Uh, what about standards uh, yeah. around that? Uh, what about decreasing greenhouse gas emissions? What part does cotton play in that? Uh, minimizing microplastics, really looking to at developing standards. I think Shelley hit on that earlier and, and how does that impact all of us in the textile industry? And, and of course, in, in the area I represent mostly, we'll continue to understand consumer behavior and take these messages out to share with brands and retailers and even consumers so that they can continue to have the confidence and the trust in, in cotton and its inherent sustainable abilities in the future that we have. Um, you know, really, uh, as we think about developing brand trust and what that means, it's, it is a journey that we're all on together, uh, without a doubt. And I think, you know, when I first came into this role, you know, I had a destination in mind and that we would, we would go there. But, but as consumers have changed and evolved and, and we have as a brand, that destination seems to be moving sometimes. 
and changing on us. And I think the real question we have to ask ourselves, Robin, is, is are we as organizations in the textile industry, are we open to that change and are we positioned uh, to help the consumer through that change as well? Very good question, Kim. <clears throat> and, and as always, you know, it's a pleasure to have you join us. You are terrific. And thank you so much. Um, you know, all of what Cotton Incorporate, uh, Incorporated does for the industry and the cotton growers and for real, what you guys do is incredible. I think you're the best kept secret in many ways. Um, yeah, and your sustainability efforts could not be more important. So please tell our listeners and viewers uh, how to reach you or become a supporter of Cotton Inc.'s mission. Sure, absolutely. Well, well, first, I'm going to tell you, check your label. Make certain you're wearing cotton. That's what we want you to do. Well, I am right now. This is <laughs> cotton. Cotton, cotton. That's right. I am to a, to a different version, right? When you go maybe a little more elevated style, trying to make certain I can bring that with me today. But but that, um, but that. you can also learn more and uh, visit our websites. And we have different ones. But if you're interested in more data, like we've talked about today, the Lifestyle Monitor website, you can just go to Google and type that in. Um, also, we We've got TFOL, the Fabric of Our Lives website, which is really consumer-facing, but some great information about different cotton materials, how to get stains out, and even to shop cotton products to help if you're looking for gifts or things. And then for sustainability, we have a scientific site, Cotton Today, that you can go to and get information as well. And it's just a breadth of information at the company, and, and we're here to help at any time in the business of all things cotton. Uh, so we hope we could do that. And, and Robin and Shelly, thank you for having me. I always love to come and, and share the message and let you know what's going on at our company at Cotton Incorporated. We well, love to have you. <laughs> we really do. I echo Robin's thoughts as well. Every time you're on, I learn so much information. Uh, the research you do is amazing. Um, we're so thankful to have you on our podcast. So for our listeners, you can find more of our podcasts on Apple, Spuzz, Buzzsprout, Spotify, and of course, the RobinReport.com. Look for us on YouTube, where we now broadcast our podcast as well. And please follow us on social media, link in with us, follow us on Twitter for the latest thoughts on the industry. And I want to thank everybody so much again. And by the way, as I say every week, um, if you've got a topic that, that you've been thinking about and you would like uh, Shelly and I to cover it, uh, just send me an email at robin at the robinreport.com. And thank you all again very much. Thank you.